Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to another edition of Eye on the Enemy, powered by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I'm your host, John Stolness. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stolness. This is episode number 30 of the podcast that takes a deep dive into the NFC East, and we're going to branch out a little bit on this episode of the podcast and take a look at what a couple other NFC teams are doing. An old fan favorite, a franchise, an Eagles franchise hero, Gets the shaft by his new team. We'll tell you who and what's going on there. And I've got a great interview with the Ringers' Danny Kelly coming up in just a few minutes. He had a great piece about Carson Wentz a couple weeks ago, and he's been uh, writing a bunch of other good stuff, too. He's a fantasy football guy, but also writes about the NFL for the Ringer. And so we're going to talk to Danny in just a second as well here on this edition of Eye on the Enemy. But let's start off talking about your pal and my pal, Super Bowl 52 hero, Nick Foles. And uh, when the Chicago Bears traded for Nick Foles over the offseason for a fourth-round pick. We all largely assumed it would be to replace Mitchell Trubisky as the team's starting quarterback. Otherwise, why do you go out and trade for Nick Foles? Mitch Trubisky is a pretty bad quarterback, and the Chicago offense last year was pretty dreadful with Mitch Trubisky as its signal caller. And the two were... They were involved in some kind of quarterback competition this summer in training camp, but everyone, I think myself especially, just figured Nick Foles would win that job. Well, NFL.com reporting that Trubisky has beaten out Nick Foles for the starting quarterback job in Chicago. Remember all that talk about whether the Eagles should keep Foles or go with Carson Wentz? Now he can't even beat out Mitchell Tr- And I love Nick Foles. This is not me bagging on Nick Foles, but I- I'm finding it hard to believe that Nick Foles doesn't look better in camp than Mitch Trubisky. You- M- Mitchell Trubisky is literally... Well, listen to the numbers, okay? The Bears offense averaged 17.5 points per game last year and ranked in the bottom five in points per game and in total yards, okay? Trubisky threw for 3,138 yards, 17 touchdowns, and 10 interceptions. He's a terrible quarterback. He looked like he might be improving in 2018. He played pretty well in the Bears' playoff loss to the Eagles, especially at the end of the game when he made some big plays, but he regressed terribly in 2019. That Chicago offense was awful, and Trubisky was one of the big reasons why. Only 17 touchdowns on the season. There's a reason. There's a reason the Chicago Bears went out and got Nick Foles. And Nick Foles has a higher ceiling than Mitchell Trubisky. You can't tell me, after what we saw Nick Foles do in that playoff run in 2017, that he doesn't give you a better chance to win. Unless Nick Foles' arm is falling off or, or age has really set in in a big way with Foles, we don't know because we haven't been able to watch any preseason games, so we have no idea what's going on in Matt Nagy's training camps and what's happening behind the scenes, but it's mind-boggling to me that they're going to go with the guy who, in Mitchell Trubisky, you know what he is by this point, and you know what Nick Foles can do. Both of these guys have a low floor. There's, there's no question we've seen Nick Foles, when he's not on, play terrible football. He's not a good quarterback when he's in one of his slumps, but when he's hot... There are few that can match what Nick Foles can do. When Mitchell Trubisky is hot, it's only slightly better than not-so-great Mitchell Trubisky. What and, and we just to think about what Nick Foles did in those two playoff games, in the NFC Championship game and then in the Super Bowl, to do what he did on that stage and, and, and the, the love that his teammates have for him, I, I just, it's, it's, a, it's a very curious decision by Matt Nagy and the Chicago Bears to go with Mitchell Trubisky over Nick Foles, but that's the decision they've made. I I think, long story short, Nick Foles 
my prediction will start more games than Mitchell Trubisky this year when all is said and done. Nick Foles is probably your starting quarterback not long after the season begins, and my guess is if he stays healthy, Nick Foles starts more games than Trubisky this year. Because I know the Bears aren't really that smart, and I know they they sunk a lot into Trubisky drafting him when they did, but at some point, you just got to cut the cord and move on. I, I, we don't know what's been going on in training camp, but Nick Foles must have looked really bad in training camp for them to go with Trubisky over him. Let's move along to the Dallas Cowboys. Some news out of Dallas this week. Star defensive end Randy Gregory has been reinstated by the league, but he won't be available to practice with the team until October 5th, and he will not be able to play for Dallas until after their Week 6 game. He's been out of football since he was suspended indefinitely for violating the league's substance abuse policy and the terms of his conditional reinstatement. The suspension was his fourth, which punted him out of football for over a year. He's only appeared in double-digit games in a season twice in his five-year NFL career. Uh, but he has recorded 41 tackles and seven sacks in 28 games played from 2015 to 2019. So, again, Gregory is a very talented guy, but has not been able to stay on the field all that often for Dallas. But that is a that is a potentially big piece for them when when he's eligible eligible to come back, and we'll see. Uh, exactly how good he is when he does come back. Um, the Cowboys did cut Haha Clinton Dix in kind of a surprise move. They signed him to a one-year, $3.75 million deal back in March with two and a quarter million dollars guaranteed. He was expected to earn the starting job, but was beaten out by Darian Thompson. So Clinton Dix's release does create one and a half million dollars in cap space for the Cowboys. And fellow starter Xavier Woods has been battling a groin injury, but I think this release indicates that uh, the team believes that Woods will be ready to go for. Week one, but kind of an interesting move there by Dallas here towards the end of training camp as everybody's cutting down right now and the Eagles are announcing their cut downs and obviously there'll be more cut downs from the Cowboys, the Washington football team and the New York Giants. Speaking of some interesting decisions by the Washington football team here at the end of the week. They released future Hall of Fame running back Adrian Peterson. Now, obviously, AP is not the player he used to be, the NFL's fifth all-time leading rusher, but he was the lone established player in Washington's backfield. He ran for 1,042 yards in 2018, and he still ran for 898 yards last year, which led all Washington ball carriers. He averaged 4.3 yards per carry on 211 attempts last season. Again, not phenomenal numbers, but okay numbers. He also had more 20-yard runs, six last year, than guys like Todd Gurley, Aaron Jones, and Alvin Kamara. They both had five, and Ezekiel Elliott, Ezekiel Elliott only had four. So Adrian Peterson will be snapped up, snatched up by somebody. Apparently, he's got three suitors who are after him, according to Mike Garofolo. So somebody will get AP to be their backup running back or be their third string running back. But it's pretty clear that Washington really wants to commit to the young guys in their backfield. And this, I think, is a pretty clear indication that Antonio Gibson is going to get a bunch of run here with, with Washington. Now, he's more of a hybrid running back receiver out of the backfield. He only had 30 some odd rushing attempts in his college career. So this is not a guy who has a ton of experience. And this is one of the criticisms I had with Washington's draft when they picked him in the third round. They really felt, I think Washington did, that they needed to grab a guy who could make an impact at a skill position. And I think they reached a little bit for Antonio Gibson, but evidently he's played very well in training camp, well enough for the team to decide that they could move on from Adrian Peterson. So It will be fascinating to see 
how much how much how many rushing attempts Gibson gets because I do think he's going to be mostly used as a as a receiver out of the backfield but he is going to get some running plays I would say maybe 7 to 10 rushing attempts per game and so a lot of those running running attempts are going to go to Bryce Love and a lot of those running attempts are going to go to Peyton Barber. Rushing attempts are going to go to Peyton Barber. I think Barber has had a very good camp for Washington. Everything you're hearing out of D.C. is that's the case. Um, a lot of the, those guys will probably take the early down snaps. Uh, J.D. McKissick will get worked in there as a pass catching back. So they're going to go with the, that that foursome there. Antonio Gibson, Bryce Love, Peyton Barber, and J.D. McKissick. They want to see what kind of upside they have with those guys. You know what? I get it. I get it. Washington is going to be one of the two or three worst teams in the NFL this year, especially offensively. Why not see what these young guys have? Why not see what these young guys can give you? Why give Adrian Peterson another 150 to 200 rushing attempts that could go to these guys so that you can see whether or not they, they're going to be a, a part of Washington's football team when the rebuild starts moving out of these early stages? So I get what Ron Rivera is trying to do. I think it makes some sense. Adrian Peterson will find a home for a team that's ready to compete, that needs a backup running back. The Eagles are not going to be one of those teams. I think they really like the threesome that they have right now uh, in Miles Sanders, in Boston Scott, and in Corey Clement. We've been talking about the Eagles potentially adding another veteran running back all spring and all summer long, but I don't think it's going to happen. I think they're very happy with what Corey Clement has been giving them, how healthy he looks, and there's really no need for them to bring in Adrian Peterson because, again, Peterson's not going to get that many running plays with the Eagles either. There will be other places where he'll latch on and probably get the 150 rushing attempts that he's looking for. Couple new, couple news and notes out of Giants camp. Um, Cornerback Ryan uh, Logan Ryan, formerly of the Titans, has signed a one-year, $7.5 million deal with the Giants. He was reportedly looking for a $10 million deal, but uh, $7.5 million is uh, not too bad for this stage of the offseason. Uh, the Giants had to get some help for their secondary with DeAndre Baker, kind of his situation still in some legal limbo, and yet second-round rookie Xavier McKinney dealing with a broken foot. So, you know, Ryan's not a great player, you know, he's not going to be somebody that you're picking as a preseason pro bowler. There's a reason he's lasted this deep into the offseason. But, you know, he'll be a decent player. He'll play a bunch of snaps. He'll give you some good play from the slot. Um, you know, it's it's somebody who's not going to make a lot of waves. The, the Giants just, they needed a body in there that you could put at the slot and say, listen, just cover the slot receiver. Give us some decent production out of that spot. And, and you know, Logan Ryan will do that. He's he's not a stud, but he'll be able to give the Giants some kind of production there. The Giants also uh, reported, and I mentioned Xavier McKinney a minute ago, that he is under, going to undergo surgery to repair his left foot. Uh, it's a fracture to the fifth metatarsal, which is frequently associated with a Jones fracture. It's not going to be a season-ending injury, but McKinney will be out for two to three months, according to Mike Garofolo. So, um, he was the second-round pick for the Giants this year out of Alabama and was expected to be a starter as kind of a hybrid safety linebacker. So it's a it's a big loss for the Giants. And again, getting Logan Ryan just kind of helps mitigate that a little bit. But obviously, the upside of McKinney was big there. And you know, for a team like the Giants that needed a lot of help defensively, not a good not a good situation there in the secondary for New York. So good news for Eagles fans. You're not going to have to face a guy like Xavier McKinney for the first two to three months this year, but um, a blow to the Giants for sure. Last thing before we get to Danny Kelly, the Saints are reportedly hot and heavy after defensive end Jadavian Clowney, although there are some other teams rumored to be making a late push at this point for him as well. 
Uh, some rumors are that he's spoken multiple times to Sean Payton. Uh, Tom Pelissaro reports that Clowney really wants to go to New Orleans, but at least two other teams are still involved in Clowney uh, as a free agent. Those are none. None of those teams are the Eagles. I think the Eagles' defensive line situation uh, is is pretty well in hand. Uh, the Eagles know who they have. They know who they want to keep. Um, I think that you know the Derek Barnett thing. Still not, still not back at practice. We we really don't know exactly what the long term outlook is for Derek Barnett. Is he going to be ready to go by week one? Is it going to be week two? Is it going to be week three? We don't really know yet. But it, the team's not going out and making a bunch of moves at defensive end to try and mitigate a long Derek Barnett absence. So uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, they're certainly not going to be spending big money on Jadavian Clowney at this point in the offseason. All right, coming up next, we're going to talk to Danny Kelly from The Ringer about his Carson Wentz piece and a bunch of other news and notes from around the NFL. That's coming up next here on Eye on the Enemy. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And joining me to talk a little bit more about the NFL season coming up here and about uh, Eagles, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles as they finish up training camp is Danny Kelly. He's a staff writer for The Ringer, uh, heavily involved in the fantasy uh, football stuff with The Ringer. He's involved with The Ringer, Ringer Fantasy Football Show, The Ringer Fantasy Football Draft Guide, The Ringer NFL Draft Guide. Uh, Danny, any other stuff you're working on? What, what other, anything you can plug? <laughs> uh, I'm still writing about the, the NFL in general, too. I actually just posted an what I thought was a pretty interesting article about kind of how the NFL draft is going to be affected. All the different pieces of the NFL draft apparatus, oh. you know, like the media, the agents, the players, the teams, how scouting will happen, um, how that's all going to change kind of this season with the potential for, you know, cancellations in the college game. It, you know, obviously we don't really know anything right now. The yeah. big 10 might actually come back pretty soon here, but yeah. So um, yeah, so I, that's what I posted today. So I thought that was really interesting. So if you want to check that out, go for it. And I, I also wrote about Carson Wentz recently. Which Yeah, and that's, that was what yeah. caught my eye. So I wanted to talk to you today and get to some other NFL stuff as well. But if you want to read his new work, make sure you're following Danny on Twitter at Danny B. Kelly. But I, I, your Carson Wentz piece is the piece that I wanted to talk about. Because as an Eagles fan and as someone who is an unavowed lover of Carson Wentz, I've, I've always <laughs> been on the Carson Wentz side of things. Because of what I saw in 2017, I, I saw very few guys 
I think there are the, the number of quarterbacks who can do what he did in 2017, you can count on one hand, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe you can move to the second hand and get a couple of fingers off. But I mean, right. we, we, that was a very special season. And I think in a lot of ways, he's still chasing that season. Obviously, injuries have been a problem uh, in, in, tw- in 2018. And then uh, in 2019, he made it through the whole season, but it was up and down. And I think as he enters year five, even most of us Eagles fans who are really high on Carson Wentz don't really know what to make of him yet. He's still <laughs> kind of an enigma. And so yeah. I wanted to get your thoughts. Where do you see Carson Wentz as he's entering 2020? Yeah, I mean, I think that the way that you put it, he's an enigma is, is very true because on at the same time, simultaneously, he's somehow overrated and underrated, according yeah. to people I talk to on Twitter, um, which, you know, is not something that you always see. Uh, I think he is, you know, one of the most talented guys, one of the most talented quarterbacks in the NFL in terms of physical talent, arm, you know, arm strength, his mobility, his size, everything you want from a quarterback. I think he's, you know, obviously has the upside to be like a top five, top three quarterback in the NFL, but you know, there's just been a lot of variables over the last few years that have kind of brought him down. Um, And honestly, like it's all relative because, you know, his, like he says, 2017 season was, was elite. Um, and his last two seasons, it's not like his stats were bad. It's just that they weren't to that level. And I think that happens with a lot of quarterbacks. Um, you know, at the end of the day, like, I just, what I'm saying is I think that he just really needs to, like, have a prove-it season, I think, to, like, change the narrative. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I do think he's a really good quarterback, top 10 quarterback likely. And, um, you know, he has the potential, the talent, all that to, to even go higher than that, I think in his career. But um, right now it's just like the narrative is kind of stuck on the last two seasons, which have been a little bit up and down um, in terms of stats and everything. And there's a lot of variables that go into that. So where do you kind of have him as far as like in, in the echelon of quarterbacks, do you see him as, as a top 10 quarterback in this league right now? I'd have to look at like a list to really like officially make it, but yeah, I mean, I think he'd be probably like in the, if, if, you know, the top tier is, is like Russell Wilson, you know, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, um, Dak Prescott. There's, there's, I would say he's probably like in tier two, maybe, you know, and, and, I, and again, this is just kind of off the top of my head. I would actually have to like, kind of get like, look sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. closely, but yeah, yeah. Um, I certainly think he's got like, you know, the potential to be in that second tier kind of, and, and eventually once he kind of like does have this like breakout year, narrative busting year, um, I think a lot of people will probably put him in the top tier. I actually saw that Daniel Jeremiah, I think, had him as the third best quarterback in the NFL, um, which was really yeah. interesting to me. And, it, you know, maybe that was just to get, like, some attention or something. But I think he <laughs> – I actually do think Jeremiah believes that for sure. Um, you know, he doesn't seem like a hot take type, type of guy. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've seen we've seen the hot and cold of, of, of Carson Wentz. There was a stretch last year where he didn't look like he hit the broad side of a barn. But there was also, if you if you broke down film, you could see some of his receivers were not doing him any favors either. Jumping at the last second on a route and, and a ball going where it's supposed to go. And J.J. Ortega Whiteside jumping two feet to his left for some unknown reason when he when he when he didn't need to. I mean, you saw. And, <laughs> yeah. no, he, I think I mean, you know what play you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> I think Michael Kist uh, um, tweeted it out a, a couple of different times just. Yeah. What are you doing? 
But I, you, I think his year last year also would have been much different if Nelson Aguilar makes that catch against the Atlanta Falcons and, and they go down and they win the game. Because yeah. they go because he led them on a fourth-quarter drive to go ahead with just over two minutes in that game, and then the defense gives up the Julio Jones play on fourth and one, and then he's got to go back down and try and do it again. He has, he has Nelson all alone down the sideline. Nelson drops it, so they, they end up losing that game. A, we, a couple weeks later, they're getting, they have Detroit at home, and, and Ortega Whiteside has the ball in his hands on the goal line. Oh, yeah. Guy comes down with the ball. That's another win right there. And now all of a sudden you're looking at an 11-5 and five team and you're looking at a guy who's led two late-inning, last-second comebacks. And, you know, maybe you don't have the issues in the middle of the year. So how these, you know, each season evolves so differently and one game builds mm. on the other. It's, it's so difficult to kind of look at the whole season in a vacuum and say this is bad because you look at who he's had around him and you just – it's hard to know how much of this is a struggling Carson Wentz and how much of this is the talent around him. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, I think you summed it up perfectly. That's exactly kind of what I was alluding to when I said there's just so many variables. Narratives can change so much, you know, regardless of an actually what he did. You know what I'm saying? Like a couple yeah. drops here, a couple big plays there, and the narrative is completely different. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm bullish on him in terms of his, you know, his future career. I do think that it's going to be very, very beneficial to him to have some, you know, m much more talented weapons in the offense this year. And a lot, a lot of the top quarterbacks in the NFL certainly benefit from having like a really good support system around them. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's not something like people talk about at the time. I don't know. Maybe it is something yep. they talk about in Philly, but like, it, <laughs> you know, he, he, I think all quarterbacks somewhat are like quote system quarterbacks. Like it just yeah. certainly helps to have like top tier guys around you. So yeah. Um, yeah, I think, you know, if you're sticking with the NFC East, like look at the Cowboys, like they have, you know, really good running back, really good receivers. Uh, you know, the play caller is pretty well regarded. Um, you know, so I, I don't know. It's just like that certainly props Dak up a lot in terms of the mm -hmm. stats and everything like that. And I think, you know, get Wentz that sports system and we'll see, see what happens. Well, what do you think about the support system this year? Do you think he's got enough? I mean, if, obviously a lot of it hinges on guys staying healthy and they lost Jalen Rager for probably the first couple of weeks of the season, but hopefully that's not, not a major injury and they get him back for, for yeah. most of the season. If Rager comes back and let's say he's back to normal in, in week three and everybody else is kind of in place, what do you make of, of the Eagles offense right now? Because they're, they've also had some issues along the offensive line over the last week. I know that sucks. Yeah. The injury situation is really annoying. Um, what do we have Miles to Sanders do? I mean, like, do we have to go to a medicine man and, and get some kind of uh, chant done? I don't know. I don't know at this point. Yeah. It's like a yearly tradition to have all these like devastating injuries right, in, right. in the preseason. Um, yeah. No, I think like, Miles Sanders, I think, has the potential to be an elite running back, you know, if he can stay healthy. So getting him back on the field and healthy is going to be good. Um, I was really bummed out to see Rager get hurt. It sounds like he's not going to be out for too long, so that's that's promising. But um, it, it felt like he was, like, on this trajectory to, like, really hit the ground running early on in the season. Now he might fall behind a little bit, which, you know, it's always tough as a rookie. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, getting Deshaun Jackson back, I think that's going to be really helpful. I don't know exactly how our Sega Whiteside has been doing it in camp, but it sounds like the buzz is pretty strong on him right now. Yeah. Um, John Hightower is a guy I liked pre before the season, and I think he could be sort of a surprising contributor early on. Obviously, he, He's a big name in camp. He, they, everybody says yeah. he's had a phenomenal camp. Yeah, so, you know, I think, again, it's like a young group, sort of unproven group, um, outside of Deshaun Jackson and obviously the tight ends. but. Um, I think that the ceiling is really strong there. And I think it, you know, they're doing the right thing, getting a lot of speed in the offense. That was a huge problem last year. 
um, you know, they almost went overboard, you know, in the off season, <laughs> like getting speed guys, but yeah. I like it. I think it's a good plan. I mean, if you look around at like the best offenses in the NFL right now, it's all like speed and spacing. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I think that, you know, the sky is sort of the limit if, the, if, if a few things click for this offense, but of course, you know, these injuries suck. <laughs> yeah. And, and you never can, you never can bank on this football team staying healthy. So we just uh, hold our breath every time, every time yeah. somebody tweets something out. Um, well, let's, I, I want to talk about the Dallas Cowboys a little bit because obviously the Eagles edged them out for the NFC East title last year, but you know, mm-hmm. neither team was exactly covering themselves with, with roses. And it's, I, I think the Cowboys had an interesting off season a lot of people talk about all the guys they added and obviously getting CD lamb in the first round of the draft was great. I felt like they had a really strong draft. Um, now they suffered a major injury along the defense, along the defensive front. Uh, but I signed Everson Griffin uh, late in the, in the off season as well. But this yeah. is a Dallas Cowboys team that aside from adding CD lamb, it does, it's not a whole lot different on paper than, than last year with the exception of changing the head coach. And yet I feel like, people are bullish on Dallas as far as being a Super Bowl contender. And I am as well. There just seems to be a vibe around this team that Dallas is going to really take a leap this year. How do you yeah. see the Cowboys in 2020? Man, you're, this is dangerous going on uh, BGN radio <laughs> and you're asking me about the Cowboys. I feel like I've already talked about the Cowboys too much. People are going to be so pissed listening to this. No. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think um, I actually like the Cowboys quite a bit this year. You know, the, the talent, the same, same deal as last year. The talent's not a problem. You know, they've got a really talented team. I think the offense has a chance to be, you know, top three, top four. And the defense has, again, like a lot of talent, a lot of upside. I liked their draft, like you said. Um, they have two really good, you know, pass rushers. They've got some talent in their, in their secondary. There's just – there's a lot of things to like, to like about this. But, like, again, it's just they have to put it all together. Last year they did not do that at all. Um, and I think the big variable here that – it's, it feels like it's almost flying under the radar. You know, maybe it's just like a national perspective, but um, the Mike McCarthy hire, it feels like people aren't really talking about that all that much. Um, so I think that's going to be very interesting to see how that evolves, what, what impact he has. Sounds like he's not going to have, um, you know, a strong influence on the offense. He's going to let Kellen Moore do his thing, which I think is a promising development, at least if it happens. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess it's just a matter of kind of like how things change under Mike McCarthy. If he can get more out of this talent and and actually have them put it all together because last year, you know, again, they had a really good talented team, but it just didn't really work out for him. So um, yeah, I actually, they're they're, To me, they're in like the same exact boat as the Eagles in sense that I I think there's tons of talent. You just kind of have to put it all together. And I could see either of these teams coming out of the NFC East. Um, In fact, I, I think I have, I'm doing a preview right now. I think I have both of these teams making the playoffs. So, um, yeah, it's going to be very, very interesting. I want to talk a little bit about the Buccaneers, too. Buccaneers obviously had a big offseason by trying to recreate the New England Patriots a little bit with bringing Tom Brady and Gronk <laughs> back. But uh, they go out and they get Leonard Fournette this week uh, to, to add to a backfield that I think a lot of people already thought was, was pretty strong, had a chance to be a pretty good backfield. Uh, they've got a ton of talent at the wide receiver position. Um, you know, it's it almost feels a little... The, the, in, two, in 2010, the Eagles went out and they, in a very shortened offseason, went out and signed a bunch of free agents. That was the Vince Young uh, offseason where he referred to the Eagles <laughs> as the dream team, and the then they absolutely team. went into the went into the toilet. Yeah. And the, the Buccaneers have that feel to me a little bit. Like, 
okay, maybe, yes, if Tom Brady recaptures a little bit of uh, what, he, what he had in, in 2018 or 20, in 2017, and Gronk, in, in, and he and Gronk have that old-school combination again, I could easily see the Buccaneers being a juggernaut. But there's also yeah. a chance that Tom Brady is, is done. And so <laughs> I wanted to get your thoughts on where you see the Buccaneers here in 2020. Yeah, that, I mean, honestly, I'm pretty bullish on the Buccaneers. I know that, you know, defensive performance isn't super sticky year over year, but their defense was really good last year. I think that's a good foundation for them. Um, you're right, though. There's a lot of moving parts. The, def- the offense is kind of like brand new now with, you know, new running back situation with Leonard Fournette in the mix. Obviously, new quarterback situation. Rob, Gronkowski, Ron- Rob Gronkowski's in the mix. Um, I think they're going to be completely different offense in terms of their pace and, and kind of like the way they go about things with with Jameis Winston they were constantly playing to catch up and so um, I think they can be much more sort of not conservative but much more efficient offensively um, and you know play a little bit different style of football so um, overall though I'm I think I'm like planting my flag with with Brady being good this year like for whatever reason I'm feeling like really good about this offense and just kind of like where they're going Um, but there's a lot of ways that could go wrong I'm just kind of, that's just kind of my, my take though. And I'll, I want to talk about one more team with you before I let you go. And this is another team that I'm down on and I'm down on them for the same reason that I, I get down, that I was down on the Rams last year. And it's the San Francisco 49ers because mm-hmm. they have every team that isn't the Patriots that loses the Super Bowl struggles the next year. Yeah. If you go throughout, if you have yes, there's a hangover. There's an absolute hangover in the NFL with Super Bowl losers. Not necessarily the winners, but the losers, they have they have a hard time getting stuff going the next year. And I don't love Jimmy Garoppolo. I love their defense. I love Kyle Shanahan. And I think the way he he schemes things up for the running backs and for the receivers that he does have, he they make it work. But you I, I'm also wondering if it's a little smoke and mirrors and if having seen a full year of Kyle Shanahan with all of the weapons and 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 now he's got another year where he's gotta he, he's gotta kinda prove it almost like Sean McVay. Yeah. In his big year, had to kind of come out and, and prove it and didn't really do that. And, and the Rams were hit with a lot of injuries, so there was obviously a lot of that going on. But I'm down on the Niners. Where are you on the Niners? I'm, I like the Niners. I, I definitely agree with you that I don't think they're going to be as dominant as they were last year defensively. You know, letting um, Forrest Buckner or trading away to Forrest Buckner was a big decision for them that could kind of have big impact for their defense. You know, they thrive on that front four, their front four was absolutely dominant and and changing up that, that chemistry and that connection that all those guys had, you know, could have pretty wide reaching like ripple effects on that defense. And so um, I don't think they're going to be as dominant defensively, but I do think that their offense is going to be good. Now the problem, I think I was a little bit more bullish on them a few weeks ago before they had this rash of injuries. Devo Samuel got hurt. Mm -hmm. Brandon Ayuk, who was having a really good camp got hurt. Jalen Hurd got hurt. Um, you know, they've had all these guys come up, you know, uh, with injuries. And so that could certainly hurt their effectiveness offensively. And so um, I think they're going to be a good team, but not the type of dominant team that we saw last year, put it that way. All right. Last thing for you here, Danny, I want you to give me one thing that you're sure about for the 2020 season. <laughs> I was going back and forth over the, about this one, but 